A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Today's episode of She's All Fat is brought to you by One Second Every Day, a video diary app that helps you create, remember, and share your life story one second at a time. As a wise fatty once said, pics or it didn't happen. And you know what's even better than a picture? A video diary. One Second Every Day makes it so simple to capture little snippets of your daily life and stitch them together to tell a story. We love One Second Every Day so much, we used it to capture our favorite summer memories as we prepared for season three. Check it out now on our Instagram. The app is free in the Google Play Store and $4.99 in the App Store. Start capturing memories today. Future you will thank current you. (laughs) (laughs) Thin people, you can send this to your other thin friends if you're trying to call them in on fat phobia and you want to educate them. Absolutely. Like, please use this episode as a tool to figure this stuff out. Sophie. I'm April, and this is She's All Fat, the podcast for body positivity, radical self-love, and chill vibes only. This week, we'll discuss thin allyship, Mitski, and rooting for everybody black. All right, so we're here. We're ready to talk about our obsessions for the first time in a few months. Oh my god. Um, we're back. We're We've back. missed y'all. Season three. Season three, better... Wait, I was, I was Wait. gonna try to make a phrase. Season two, too fat, too furious, and then Perfect. season three will be what's the se- what's what's the third sequel of anything? I'm just gonna quickly it's Google. Like, it's always like return. Wait, wait, Fast and Furious three. Return. Oh, the Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift. Okay, so the Fat and the Furious. Uh... <laughs> L A traffic. L A traffic. Perfect. The Fat and the Furious. L A traffic. Okay. Anyway, all that to say, this is the third part of the trilogy that is she's all fat. Yes. Every bit as epic as all of those other trilogies She's and all fat and the uh, prisoner of Azkaban, which she watched. <laughs> which I, I am the prisoner to everyone's Azkaban <laughs> because I'm constantly inundated with Harry Potter references. That's so true. You looking at your text is like a dementor sucking out your soul oh, yeah. out. Truly, truly. Anyway. All right. April. Yes. What are you obsessed with? This week. Oh my goodness. So much. I really have been saving up all my obsessions just for you, my sweet, sweet listeners. But the two at the top of the list were number one, as you all know, I'm a pop princess. Mm -hmm. The ultimate pop princess, I guess, of 2018. Am I giving that to her? Well, one of the most notable pop princesses of 2018. Ariana Grande finally released her album that she's been threatening to release all year called Sweetener. It's quite polarizing. Mm, What do you Um, think? I wanted to do a quick quick rundown of the album. I um, have really enjoyed 
watching all of Ariana Grande's interviews about Sweetener because I just think it's funny to listen to the way musicians talk about their music. And she is always just like, you know, I'm always just trying to cover vibes. And I feel like the vibe of this album is just like more love. And like, I want everybody to have a hug, like feeling like Ariana Grande is hugging you through this album. And like the vibe is is a hug. Swear to God, this is all verbatim. But then you listen to the album and you're like, oh, I do feel a love vibe. Okay, so here's the rundown. The first song, Raindrops, is just like this little ballad she's singing. You know, our queen is extra and I'll give her that. I don't love that but clearly that one was for her more than anybody else um the next is blazed people are saying on twitter that they don't like the pharrell williams songs on this album i don't mind them but i don't think there's anything special about a pharrell williams song in 2018 the light is coming we don't talk about that we don't talk about that because it's one of my triggers but i appreciate her for trying next is rem true stands know that rem was originally a beyonce song so you can listen to the full beyonce wake up version i will link it in the show notes unfortunately i do think it's better but um i appreciate what ariana grande is trying to do it's like a cool sleepy sexy song okay. so i'm into it god is a woman is a banger sweetener is very bad <laughs> it's the title song and it's very bad maria please put a clip of her being like mix it mix it mix it like no one knows what she's talking about um the next two songs successful and every time are very average breathing is the song that's going to get her a grammy this year whoa she said she wrote it the story she wrote it in the midst of an anxiety attack and it's just about that like raw feeling or whatever and i'm like okay girl like anxiety is very on trend like shout out to sean mendes but then you listen to the song (laughs) like all the pop stars are like actually (laughs) like all right but you listen to the song and it really is just like so raw and she's doing a lot of cool things vocally and it just is a standout like i really do think that's gonna be big for her next is no tears left to cry we don't talk about that song um borderline and better off are like fine like she said in interviews that she's kind of like not embarrassed but over the old pop stuff she's like i'm not gonna do another problem song she's like quote i'm over vocal gymnastics she's like i'm just here to sing like i don't have anything to prove i like that song though i like that song too but basically she's saying she's like i don't want to go like be straining myself on stage anymore i just want to like oh sure 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 she doesn't want to get any more notes yeah yeah clearly that's what went down she she sees what's happened to mariah and she's like there but for the grace of god and honestly it's smart because mariah carey had that realization like 30 years too late yeah it's bad so i feel you um, but to me, the standout on the album is Pete Davidson. I really, that's my I favorite love it. song. I think that's the best song. It's so good. I wish it it's were so, so much longer. Exactly. It's so good. It's just like, it's I just, just believe vibes. it. It's just, it literally is vibes. It's like love vibes. Like she's going to be happy. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm happy for her and her little, like, you know, compulsive relationship. Like I want her to be, it's like very impulsive. It's very like literally just feeling the vibes and going for it. And I feel <laughs> it in the music. They both like had long-term relationships and then we're like, um, this came up out of nowhere. And everyone's like... Wait, but didn't you have a girlfriend a second ago? We'll see how long it lasts, but they're in that cute phase at the beginning where she's like, literally, I will die for Pete Davidson tomorrow, which nobody ever thought anyone would say. So this is amazing. Um, So that's Sweetener. Like, I'm definitely into it. I was surprised by a lot of it, but... I all I want from my pop queens is to serve up like risk taking, and she gave that to me. Yeah. So shout out to Ariana. Um, my next just little obsession is I watched the show Black Lightning this summer. It's what on Netflix. It? So it's um this like black man lives in this town that's supposed to be Ferguson, I think, and so he like is the principal of a all black private school and like very involved in the community. But at night he's Black Lightning and he has superpowers because his whole body is like charged with electricity. Basically, for years he didn't have he didn't want to use his powers because he thought it was doing more 
more harm than good. But then, like, the town is being torn apart by crime. So then he, like, starts being Black Lightning again. And then all this stuff starts to happen. And it's cool because it's, like, political. But it's not ham-fisted. Like, it sounds like it could be really ham-fisted. But it's actually, like, it's a political... It's a superhero show that just happens to be political and is really fun. And the cast is mostly Black and they're all beautiful. And it's, like, funny, too. That's amazing. Every episode, like edge of my seat there okay there were some problematic things honestly if you watch the show like at me because there's a couple of things that i do want to talk about about flight lightning but overall like i really loved the show it was a really riveting like binge watch and it's coming back soon for season two and i'm like gonna i'm gonna be there those were my biggest like summer obsessions what about you what are your obsessions so i just thought i would do a quick rundown of like the media i'm taking in right now okay on twitter it's the drama between azalea banks Elon oh. musk crimes don't she, know what's going on she was at the house way longer than i thought she was by the way i'm worried someone's gonna die out of this because she did say the russians are after elon i what's don't know i do not know <laughs> but it's on? kind of it's a twist i never expected i just feel like since like the 2010s are an era where like celebrity pairings are just all over the place that i never I thought of and that i never thought would affect things outside of just media. Do yeah, you know like I mean? now the world powers are involved. It's just cele- <laughs> it's like you get a huge Instagram following and you're the pope all of a sudden. Literally. It's like I don't understand what's going on, but that was very interesting and wild to me. Okay, number two. I read Sharp Objects. I did not like the book. You didn't like it at all? At I first did not, you kind I mean, of liked it. I liked I liked it fine. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. I don't think I don't know if it's Gillian or Jillian. I don't think she's a good writer, okay. Gillian Flynn. I think she has great plots, mm-hmm. but like Gone Girl is a good movie. Didn't like the book. Mm. I know a lot of people love it. I am loving the HBO show, which has its finale tonight, which will have been, you know, last week Okay, um, when people are listening to this. I thought that the show, is it's doing some really interesting things with the way it's, like, incorporating the character's history and stuff. Mm. And I think that's done in a much more interesting visual way um, than happens in the book. The other main thing about this book that I is the reason I stopped reading Gone Girl halfway through and then also at the end of the Sharp Objects book, there's a preview of like her next book um there's just like so much fat phobia throughout the whole thing like there's just so many i tweeted about this a while ago with some excerpts where it's just like uh the character the main character who's a narrator is flawed right and that's the true in all them it's like Mm -hmm. unreliable narrator blah blah blah. but she's just so hateful of fat people and it's like when it when that's true across every single book you've written that's just like if someone was racist as the main character Mm -hmm. across every book you'd be like this author is just racist yeah exactly because you you are just writing versions of yourself like everybody is so it's it's stuff like oh this guy was flirting with the girl behind the counter she's fat like her face is as big as the pies she's selling or something like it's just that's ridiculous good, oh my god that's what i'm saying like it's not i don't think it's great writing no. and it's also she's just so fat phobic so yeah i tweet about it if anyone cares to go like search out those excerpts <laughs> is that in the show like that feeling not so much i mean okay. I, that's what i think they do i think they do a better job in this show like it's harder for tv shows to have um a first person narrator you know mm-hmm. what i mean like there's no voiceover and so okay. it's like you're pulled back as a observer we are somewhat in our head we're seeing flashbacks of okay. the main character's thoughts but it's like all the fat phobic stuff is in like narration in our head mm. in the book and so there's not really as much there's like I think there's a couple things in the world that are, like, kind of generic, okay. whatever, mm-hmm. but it's not the same. Like, you just see her being, you're like, oh, she's kind of messed up. Okay. Without it having to be, like, throwing people under the bus. Perfect. Um, so that's what I'm reading. I'm also, the book I am enjoying, I'm reading this book that's not even a real book. It's just by, you know, my old childhood fantasy fave, Tamara Pierce. <laughs> she has, like, a, a book out from a while ago that's called, like, The Spy Lord's 
guide to Tortle or something. Whoa. And it's just like maps and letters from various characters in different books she like put together. Okay. It kind of feels like if you watched a Wes Anderson movie and then like bought the tape coffee table book. Got it. You know okay. What I mean? mm-hmm. The highlights. But I'm enjoying. Yeah. Um, and then I'm listening to I'm trying to listen to the new Mitski album. You asked okay. me who Mitski was the other day. I don't know who she is. All my white friends know who Mitski is, and all my part white friends know who Mitski is. I feel like I'm literally missing out, because I found out because Demi Dijuibe, who's a black person, mm-hmm. was tweeting about it, and I was like, oh, officially everybody knows but me. And yeah. it's like, she's had other albums. How have yeah. I missed this? Well, from what I've heard so far, it's like if Lana Del Rey was like indie, actually oh. indie, and like kind of thoughtful. Okay, maybe I will. I like Lana. It is very, very emo. Okay. Like, the song I listened to that Lindsay sent me to listen to, it literally starts, the first lyric is, my God, I'm so lonely. Jesus. Okay, <laughs> maybe not in this political climate, but I'll circle back. <laughs> but it's pretty. Good. It's very okay. pretty. It's mm-hmm. just kind of sad. And then I'm also listening to um, Meaty by Samantha Irby on Audible, and she also narrates it, and I'm a big fan of hers. We love her. We love her. Um, and that's my obsessions, I think, for this week. Amazing. Um, let's move on to our shout outs. Thank you so much to our listeners who reviewed us on Apple Podcasts. One day we will be featured in new and noteworthy, probably when we're six seasons in. Think about it. Season three. <laughs> we're still new. There's places, there's podcasts on there that have been on there and they're like in season 10. So like, whatever. Um, thank you so much to those of you who reviewed us on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate all of you so much. Uh, shout out to at savage i guess not at right just their username yeah just their name to the following people attached to these usernames <laughs> savage garden beauty soccer 952310 <laughs> flabby godmother musk 8 anna berry blogging and mealtony iconic yeah thank, thank you, you all. all so much we love you and we seriously do go back and read those reviews sometimes when i'm sad and sitting on the toilet i will yeah. read a review saying how much they love us it's so nice (laughs) thank you so much um next we're going to shout out our lovely patrons these are people who have become a patreon at patreon.com slash she's off at pod shouting out jenny swinson caitlin and morin emily langowitz Haley doyle madison holtz and sophie scar newman thank you all so much for supporting us you're the wind beneath my wings yay thank you Before we get into our tip jar corner, we wanted to do a call for voice memos about our upcoming episode all about people who are super fat. So one of our goals for the season is to talk about different identities and intersections that we don't personally experience. And one of those is super fat, meaning, of course, there's not a direct definition of it, but pretty much people who live in a body that is one of the most marginalized fat bodies and has issues with accessibility, access to clothing, and feels that their body is very fat for the current world that we're living in. So if you feel like that's you and you want your voice included in that episode, send us a voice memo that's two minutes or less to fyi at cheeseallfatpod.com and we might include you in the show. Give April that voice. I want that voice. All right, let's move on to our tip, tip jar. jar tip jar corner. Um, if you're a new listener in our tip jar corner, we talk about things that listeners have told us about that we want to share with the rest of you. So that could be in an email that was sent in, in an Instagram comment, in a Facebook comment. Okay, so this listener emailed us this little tip. On the 2017 Netflix show The Worst Witch, the main character's best friend is head girl of her year. Kind, generous, lovable, and chubby, with no one making nasty comments so far. Midway into the second episode, so hopefully that continues yeah, to be the... <laughs> I hope that holds up. 
but this listener thinks this is good fat representation, which we always want to see. We talk about a lot of the horrible examples we see, but also I hope that we're going to get more of these good, not humiliating examples. Yeah. So thank you for sending this in. Check that out. You know, I love my magic books. Hell yeah. Um, Okay. Also, we want to shout out our Facebook group, which you can be a part of if you're a Patreon at Team Paisley Moo Moo and above. Um, This week, people are talking about the best acids to use for skincare, um, crop top triumphs, and tips for dealing with insomnia. Um, Also, we just wanted to say quickly about our Patreon. We restructured over the summer. That's one of the things we did. Now, there's um, slightly different rewards for every level. So if you have not considered before or if you're interested in checking it out now, go to patreon.com slash she's all fat pod team. I love bread every week um, starting next week is going to be getting a little extra audio segment. So if you're a Patreon at any level, you usually get bloopers and audio extras every week. Um, but we're going to be recording a, like an extra planned special segment for that level. So if that interests you go sign up. And also if you're at that level right now, look in your inbox this week for a poll about the topics you'd like us to discuss or some suggestions for what you'd like us to do, because that is a special reward just for you, just for you. And if you want that sweet, sweet content, you know what to do. All right. We should really get to the meat of it. Don't you think? Yeah, let's do it. The meat of it. We're in the very first meat of it of season three, and we're dedicating this week's The Meat of It to our thin friends and allies all over the world. This one is for y'all. Thank you so much. (laughs) (laughs) So let's talk a little bit about why we wanted to do this episode when we started our like season three brain dump. This was the first one that we were like, Yeah, we gotta do this. We gotta open. So we had an episode season one about being a fat friend. Um, and a lot of people like that episode. It's one of our highest shared episodes. I think people are using it as a way to send to their friends to be like, this is what it's like for me. And so we, one of the things we thought is like, we get a lot of questions about being a thin friend to people who are fatter plus size people. And so this is going to be like, uh, the corollary to that. So if that one was what it's like to be the fat friend, this is one is like what it's like to have well-meaning thin friends slash like thin people. You can send this to your other thin friends if they're like, if you're trying to call them in on fat phobia and you want to educate them. Absolutely. Like, please use this episode as a tool to figure this stuff out. Cause we know allyship is hard. Like we obviously yeah. have marginalized identities and we also have privileged identities. And so I, I get it. But also, we got we got some stuff to talk about. Um, yeah, we get a lot of emails asking us about how to be a better thin ally. And, like, you know, we say all the time, you know, this show is for, like, this is a family, we're for fat people. But it's kind of like any of our other favorite media that's, like, something directed towards a specific audience that people outside of the audience will also love. Uh, it's really cool that a lot of people email us asking us for tips on how to be better allies. I understand why, because a lot of times we're not talking to you thin people. We're like talking about what it's like to be fat and we're talking to other fat people and it's kind of aimed in a way that's like, you know what we're talking about, right? Like here's our experience, blah. But it is totally valid for thin people to be like, great. Okay. I hear you. What do I do? Yeah, exactly. Of course that is. And that is the next step. And by the way, like if that is your next slot, you're doing it right. But you know, just a couple of things we wanted to go over. <laughs> yeah. So there, while we are super happy that people have these questions, there are a couple um, things we would love if people didn't do anymore. We yes. set up some boundaries. And these boundaries are just for us. But they're also maybe if you're thin, good ones to remember for your other fat friends, they probably would appreciate respecting these boundaries as well. Yes. I would say. I think this is maybe more like a 
like a public figure kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But I especially get a lot of Instagram DMs about traumatic things that happening, like that happened in the world about fat people. Mm-hmm. Like I get a lot of DMs that are like, look at this terrible show about how fat people are like, and how they're unhealthy. Look at this terrible tweet from someone. Here's this experience I had where someone said something really awful about fat people. Isn't that bad? And it's kind of usually the tone is either number one. Um, I need you to see this and commiserate with me about how awful it is. I need you to feel bad about it as well as mm-hmm. I, as much as I do. Or number two, are you going to talk about this? Are, yes. Aren't you going to fix this? Aren't you going to say something and speak on this because it's your beaker position or something? Like almost if people feel like they're tagging in their like superhero to come yeah. like save the day. And so I will say like, I don't get a lot of these DMs. We've talked about this before and I almost feel like Either people are scared of me or they don't anticipate that I will I mean, respond. But since I run, so Sophie runs the show Instagram, I run the show Twitter, and I do get a couple of these DMs in our Twitter as well, where it's kind of like, you know, here is a horrible thing that like maybe another podcaster said, do you plan on responding? What are you going to do about this? Like when the whole insatiable mess happened, it's a lot of at she's all fat pod wondering what your plan is to stop this. And so just want to totally clarify that. I, I mean, here's the thing. We're big fans of podcasts and we consume a lot of pop culture. And I get that feeling of, I know that someone talks about the same subject matter, so maybe they'll have something to say. But also, please understand that we make this podcast from our personal experiences. Like, yeah. we we never, we, we try not to make it seem as if we're, like, the authorities on fat phobia and body positivity, well, but more like... We're not fat phobia watchdog. No, you know? not at all. Like, more like we just make the show to talk about our own experiences yeah. and have a place for other people to talk about their experiences, but also, like, we're still affected by that. Like, I'm more forgiving of it from other fat people yeah. who are, like, looking for someone to reach out to. It's still inappropriate to do that to my personal Instagram if I don't know you. Like, please don't do don't that. Don't do that. But, like, if it's a thin person, then I'm like, I wish you would think this through a little more. Yeah. What do you think my reaction is going to be? I'm a person. Exactly. I'm going to be sad when I see this. Why why do you need me to be sad for you to like feel valid and you're not liking it? And also, like, we trust me, we see enough of that. I know that it exists. We know. Like, We've personally experienced it like constantly yeah. for years. And if you so don't I get have it. another person who understands talking about like fat positivity to send it to, then you need to cultivate that in your own life. Like, I understand need, seeing something bad and feeling sad about it and wanting validation and to talk about it, but we're not that for you, like, on Instagram. No, not at all. At all. <laughs> not at all. I, I don't want our listeners to think that the first and last step of being an ally is listening to this podcast. Like, that's yeah. definitely not it. Thank you for listening, and you are taking a step in changing the way you think by listening, but the work is not listening to the podcast. Like, that's no. not the end of the sentence. And we can't we can't do the work for you. Are a thin person and you see something fatphobic and you really want to share it with someone, think about sharing it with another thin person so yes. the two of you can process through it together and think about, like, how you can talk about it and be like, oh, th- I don't like this. What about it don't I like? Um, here's the things that are butting up against the stuff that I'm learning. The, doing that is something that is like an exercise that helps you sharpen your mental acuity around being able to talk about and argue through topics. Um, and it's important to do that with people who are also learning. Like, don't, you know, put that on someone else fat to do it with you. Unless someone has explicitly said to you, I'll do that. It's the same with like, honestly, it's like, that's the practice I try to do with getting myself out of all the racism I've learned through being white. It's like, I talk to other white people about things when I realize them or when I notice them. I'm like, wow, this is fucked up. I don't like see racist shit and send it to April. That'd be fucked up. <laughs> that would be what horrible. What would be the point of that? She would feel bad. Why would I do that to her? Because you know? if the desired reaction is, can you believe this? Every fat person you know, including they the host it. of She's All Fat, <laughs> yeah. believe it. We fully yeah. know. That's why we made a podcast. <laughs> 
Um, so now that you know what not to do, yeah. we want to give a couple of tips on what to do before we hand over the reins to some thin allies of our own. Yeah. So here's some top three easy tips for if you're a thin ally and you're like, wait, well, what should I do? Number one, speak up. Sophie and I talk all the time about how whenever some like fat phobic shit is going down, yeah. the people who we seem to be talking about it are like fat Instagrammers, fat models, us are like friends who are thin allies or just people who already make a whole living and career out of talking about this stuff. Yeah. And it would be so exciting and it would also help visibility if more thin people were to literally use their voices and get involved in these conversations. So if your instinct is to tag, she's all fat and say, can you believe this? Instead, why don't you comment in the sec- the comment section of whatever you saw that was horrible and use your voice instead? And if you're struggling, like I've had a couple people say like, oh, I just thought I was supposed to like amplify fat voices, mm-hmm. which is always a good instinct. And you can do that as well. Um, but like, for example, here's a template you could use. You see something, um, you see something, you say something. <laughs> um, no. Rules you, at the airport and yeah. rules here. <laughs> yeah. If you see something weird, like for example, it's on Twitter. There's like an article headline. It's messed up. You want to talk about it. Your first instinct is to add us about it. You quash that instinct. Mm-hmm. You quote tweet it and you say, Hey, like this this is messed up because X, Y, and Z, um, I support my fat friends. And then if you want to, in the reply to it, or even on the original one, because this is a totally different thing than what we're talking about before, you could say, if you want to learn more about <laughs> fat phobia, listen to at She's All Fat Pod. Exactly. That's the most effective because otherwise it really does just come across as please do this work for me when I just think honestly, we all know the more privileged you are, the more likely you are to be heard. So you have to use your place to get the work done. It's also like if you just retweet fat voices, then you have to realize that you're putting fat voices at the forefront of receiving abuse. You're much less likely as a thin person to get people being really rude to you about fat like stuff on Twitter. Um, If you make your own tweet, then we are if you just retweet retweet us. So just think about that before you just retweet. Um, Yeah. Number two is a tip we've talked about, of course, earlier in this podcast, which is don't just stop listening to the podcast. Like I, I want to acknowledge that I'm sure if you're a thin person who's been perpetuating diet culture your whole life, listening to this podcast might be like a little bit painful. So it's not like nothing. Like it's not, it's not like an effort that I think it should be taken lightly. Like I know that it does take effort to listen to a podcast where like we might call you out on some real shit. Yeah. So definitely it it is a great first step to listen here, but also the next step should be following some of the tips that um, you will hear later in the episode from the people that we've talked to. Yeah. I think listening is is day one. Yeah. What what happens on day two, you know? Yeah. Exactly. And finally, tip number three is like any other form of allyship, you should try to strengthen your skills amongst yourselves, meaning we can try to give you tips from our perspective, but ultimately it's hard for us to relate to a thin ally in this specific way because I've never been thin. I've only experienced fat phobia and have only lived in a fat body. So I think allyship is most effective when it's done amongst people who are privileged. Like I think it's really cool to see white people try to figure out how to deal with racism from other white people with other white people. Yeah. And I don't have a lot of tips for how white people can combat racism when they're talking to other white people because I'm not white. And so I think the same thing goes here. I want to see allies figure out allyship amongst themselves without me. So that's the only way because otherwise the alternative is demanding emotional labor from your friends who are already tired of shit. 
So yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is this is the alternative. Exactly. I believe in you. Exactly. We have a couple audio clips from our thin friends interspersed throughout this episode, um, our close, good, special friends. And um, we also did an amazing interview. Um, so we have a chew the fat about to come up for you with MD Spicer Sitzes, who is the associate director for the Body Positive and director of operations for Building Allies. Um, they are an activist, an organizer, and a really, really generous educator. We learned so much from this conversation with them. They we're so anxious to help. Yes, they've been emailing us pretty much since the beginning of the podcast saying, like, please let me on, please yeah, let me share. Let me help. Which is honestly rare. We get a lot of emails asking us for things. Yeah. And it's very rare that we get an email from someone who is so excited to help our listeners learn more. And so thank you so much to MD for being with us. You're the best. Yeah, you're the best. And here is some of that interview in our segment called Chew the Fat. <laughs> MD, can you tell us a little bit about your role in the body positive and uh, how you see the body positive functioning in the body positive or fat positive community? Yeah, um, I'm the associate director of the organization. So what that means is that I support a lot of the internal logistics and inner workings of the organizations. Um, I help do logistics for all of our workshops. Um, I do the logistics for all of our live trainings, our facilitator trainings, and also um, handle our a lot of our communications for our, our online courses. Um, I also manage the volunteer and internship programs here, so I get to work with a lot of fun folks um, that are, you know, starting their journey or on their journey in this movement. And I actually also just created my first workshop, um, and that is um, going to be a workshop called Queer Bodies. Um, it's Ooh. a continuing education um, optional workshop. So it's for professionals and community members uh, that are working specifically with LGBTQIA plus folks. And I've adapted the body positive model and core competencies to really fit um, my community there. So I'm really excited about that. And that's going to be on October 20th here in Berkeley. Um, and there's more information about that on the website. That's amazing. That sounds very cool. And we will link to that in the show notes so our listeners can check that out. So it sounds like you are the perfect person to talk to about our episode, which is going to be all about talking to straight-sized allies, just because we found out that a lot of our listeners are straight-sized. And also, we have found that either we get DMs of people doing fatphobic things and sending it to us and being like, what are you going to do about this? Mm. <laughs> or just like desperate pleas for like, how can I help? So I'm wondering, <laughs> what is your advice for those people who are doing both of those things? How can they jump in? Practicing allyship is really important. Um, I have a thought about that. I think that allyship can be or has become in a lot of circles a very passive sort of turn it on or off type thing. And I, I volunteer with another wonderful organization, Building Allies, and we do work mostly with trans and gender nonconforming communities. And um, we operate under a model called active allyship. And that's really sort of turning on the light of allyship um, to be able to resource yourself in just about any moment. I think that, you know, we call ourselves allies and then sort of when it isn't so convenient, we 
just opt to take that hat off. And so one piece of advice I might give to folks who are starting their journey to becoming an ally is really thinking about how to activate that and bring that into your daily life. And so, for example, like, continue to resource yourself. Um, if you're listening to this podcast, then that's great. You're making a good move, but like, you know, you can't expect your fat friends, your colleagues, your family members to constantly be educating you. That's just a lot of emotional labor. And if you can imagine that happening every day, almost everywhere you go, it layers up and it, it can be very exhausting and emotionally, physically, mentally. We live in a time of Google, YouTube, Instagram, all of these places where we can find uh, fantastic um, resources and education to really get us, you know, equipped to handle moments, whether or not um, our fat friends are in the room. And, you know, so that might look like, you know, diversifying your view of beauty, you know, like checking what shows you watch, um, what famous people you follow or consider beautiful on Instagram and why questioning why you think they're beautiful. We think that by, you know, listening, you know, to a podcast, which is one, one wonderful way, we think that that can make us an ally, but taking action is just, I think, moving into that, uh, that way of life a little bit further. And that's how we create social change on, on like a, a better, bigger scale. One of the like things that I try to work on uh, with that is like, I understand the temptation to ask us things because like when I think about my work as like a white ally to people of color, it's often like a first uh, instinct if you feel uncertain about something to be like, am I doing this right? Like, is this what you want me to do? And then I can reflect and be like, well, I know in the spaces where I marginalize, what I just want is for like um, thin people to talk to other thin people and be working on it. And so that has like made it uh, easier for me in like the ways that I'm privileged for me to like work in those spaces is like, okay, white people need to be talking to. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact. You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some States. United healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Life is full of awesome what-ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com by people about racism like we need to be talking to each other about figuring it out and like reading books and such but i haven't found a great way to suggest that kindly to thin people because <laughs> i think like what you're saying is exactly true that the biggest thing is what are our like quote-unquote thin allies doing when we're not in the room yeah like whenever something fat phobic happens and it hits social media how come i only see other fat people with platforms talking about it yeah like i think so i think it would be really helpful for our listeners to hear number one what are some good like whether it's books or like or organizations that they can support and and benefit from as far as just like uh on an information level and then second how can they engage like i know some people some of our listeners are openly like i have extra money what can i throw my money at that would help 
the cause, people who don't have extra money, what can they do on a day-to-day basis that would help us all in the long run? One piece of information that I was very unaware of was information about the BMI chart. And so I think that that's like, you know, a great you know, basic place to start is learning the history of the BMI chart, which tends to dominate our entire messed up healthcare system. You know, the BMI chart was created by this Belgian astronomer, his named like Adolphe uh, Kedele, I believe. Yeah. He was an astronomer and a mathematician. He definitely was not a doctor. He was not a physician. The um, equation that he created has been debunked over and over again uh, throughout time, but somehow this formula was adopted in the United States by insurance companies in the 40s to basically you know, fat shame people and really create a false narrative around size and um, to really perpetuate sizeism. And so it was I think- also, yeah, it was originally created to measure population size as a whole. It wasn't created to like measure individuals. It was supposed to be a way to measure, like make an average number of people's like weights with like height factored in, but that it's like for groups of people. It's not for like even originally, it was being taken out of context, which is wow. so dumb. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. That's horrible. It was supposed to be like a like a average tool, not a I'm not fifteen and I'm now fat. Yeah, tool. <laughs> yeah, great. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Love it. Like understanding histories like that, I think, are really really important if we want to start to combat body shame and stigma and sizeism. You know, to shift that learning about models that are much more updated and thorough, much more centered actually around the body experience, such as health at every size. Check it out. You can easily look up health at every size or haze for sure and and learn more about, you know, the variances in people's size, people's ancestries, pe- you know, the various things that impact people's bodies. And it's it's a wonderful uh, resource to start with. There's also a book called Intuitive Eating um, by Elise Resch and Evelyn Tribble. It's awesome. Um, they have sort of this 10-step guide. Not all of the steps are may, might be great for everybody, but I think overall it's really wonderful. Connie Subcheck, our executive director, co-founder, and my lovely dear friend um, wrote a wonderful book called Embody. And that, before I started working with The Body Positive, that was my intro to the movement. It has some amazing information about our model. It um, has wonderful stories from leaders um, of experience. And it has things like worksheets and things that you can actually do if you are a parent and you want to work with your kid or um, if you're a teacher or something like that, want to bring something into the classroom. We also do facilitator training. So we, we've we um, researched a model for over 20 years. Um, Elizabeth Scott, our co-founder, is also an LCSW and works with clients who have struggled with eating disorders and body image uh, disturbances. And, you know, for years, her and Connie um, went into classrooms, went into community settings and um, just asked people what they need. And I think our model is not only very thorough, but one of my favorite things about it is that it's just so freaking adaptable. So as someone who like is straight sides, but has had experience with like disordered 
eating or thinking in the past. If you're in a situation where somebody, if it's like all straight size or thin people and somebody says something or does something fat phobic or like makes a joke or something like that, as someone who has all of this training and experience, like, like what would be your response or like, what are the first things you reach for to like kind of assess the situation? Um, a lot of my straight size friends have told me they'll be like, oh my God, like I had this opportunity and I just couldn't think quickly enough, like what would be the best way to approach this? Like they don't want to seem attacking, but like they also don't want to say nothing. How have you dealt with that? And what are, what are your approaches for those situations? Yeah, I think, you know, we have to maybe question ourselves a little bit on what attacking is or what seeming attacking or seeming defensive is and actually just practicing active allyship. If I'm in a situation where, for example, a a friend of mine is going, oh, did you see so-and-so? They've gained some weight. I start by asking them questions. One way to like not come off as seeming like you're attacking a situation is to, you know, sort of gently introduce a question like, how is that any of your, you know, your concern? And, you know, I I think, you know, okay, it's your concern because you're concerned about, you know, let's say something really common, which is like, oh, I'm concerned about a person's health. We, we know, um, repetitively that, that health and size, you know, correlation and causation are not the same thing that health, that size does not determine our our health. Um, and so I, I sort of start with a question and then follow up with a fact and the fact, you know, comes from me resourcing myself, you know, as a, as a thin ally, I think there are ways to bring this into conversation and be informative and not feel like you're, you know, you're attacking someone or you don't have a place to it. I mean, allyship isn't perfect. It's like, we don't always know what to do, but I mean, I err on the side of saying something. But do you feel from your side of things, do you feel like things have improved or like that you, do you see like change happening what's your give us some like a hopeful perspective <laughs> what's the prognosis where are yeah, we where are we <laughs> i i do i feel so hopeful and i think part of it is because i am immersed in the work so i see not only this amazing reach but i think especially with the you know visibility that's on social media platforms um it, and just in general, I do think that there is a lot of change incurring. I mean, I think when um, Connie and Elizabeth started the Body Positive over two decades ago, they were among the first to use the term, the words, the body positive. And so yeah. now it's sort of grown into this full-fledged, like visible movement. And I think that that gives people a great sense of connection no no matter where they are in the world and i do see a lot of a lot of change i see i see practitioners and clinicians trying to change yeah is there anything else you want to add or that you want to make sure people know or you want to shout out please please shamelessly plug you've earned <laughs> it you've earned it <laughs> i do want to give a shout out i want to give a shout out um to uh, the body positive. Um, we have these wonderful online courses that if you aren't ready to go to a training, um, 
and be become a trained facilitator, but you just want to resource yourself a little bit, um, there are two tracks for the courses. We have a general track, which is like for educators, parents, activists. A lot of um, this work is wonderful, and it's also very geared towards women-identified folks. And so I just want to express that it is is for everybody. Um, we offer group discounts. It's also accessible. We have closed captions, worksheets, audio. Um, we have a training coming up in Boston in November, a two-day facilitator training. And then we have a training coming up in San Diego um, in February of 2019. And right now, if you register for that, um, you'll get an early bird discount of um, $150 off the training, which is major. And um, we do uh, payment plans. Like I said, we have scholarships. We try everything we can to make it accessible um, to folks. And i um, very, very excited to just get this movement spread and also to give people usable tools and resources that they can implement into their daily lives, which I think is really, really important. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing. And like we said, all of the helpful resources you've mentioned will be linked in the show notes. But yeah, thank you so much. This has been such a long time in the making. So we're so glad we got to finally chat with you and get all of your good resources and wisdom and your lovely voice. Thank you so much. Thank you. So juicy. Thanks for (laughs) taking time to hang out with me today. Hey everybody, I'm Lindsay. Uh, you may know me as hashtag sorry Lindsay. I'm Sophie's best friend since freshman year of college. And uh, I'm a thin ally. Um, watching Sophie embrace body positivity and learn about it over the past several years has for me taught me so much about the ways that I've been conditioned to think and act and talk about my body and other people's bodies. Above all, I guess it's about learning to notice and question things that I never would have thought about really before, which I'm ashamed to admit. Um, Things like, you know, going into a store, would I just look for my size? And now I, I notice if there aren't sizes bigger than that or you know, going places and things aren't accessible for my fatter friends or um, listening to people talk about wanting to go on diets, things like that. So overall, I guess it's made me a more thoughtful friend, a more thoughtful consumer, uh, just generally a more thoughtful human being. And I'm not perfect, obviously, but I'm certainly more aware now. And that's really important. Hi guys, this is Nina. I'm calling because I am a skinny bitch and I've got something to say. I've learned so much from you two, Sophie and April, just from listening to this podcast and the two of you talk about your experiences in the world. I am loath to say I was unaware before, but your thoughts have educated me to the point where I'm not able to articulate my blind spots in my allyship with fat acceptance, namely my internalized anti-fatness. Acknowledging that I have that doesn't erase my allyship, it just keeps me aware that I have my blind spots, you know? Uh, Speaking out 
is paramount as a thin ally. I'm not here to listen to your fat jokes. This, I guess, is just a general message for the world. It's 2018. The world might be ending, but not before your lazy-ass comedy. Um, But anyway, that's it. I have a lot of thoughts, but mainly I'm so proud of you guys. And uh, this pot is my personal claim to fame. Um, Anyway, what's my hashtag? Um, I'm waiting. Bye. And now a small clip from Maria's Corner. Hey everyone, here's some advice on how to be a thin ally and kind of jumping into action after learning and becoming part of the body positive community. So I'm straight sized, I'm probably considered thin. um, And just as I've worked to separate any weird feelings and associations from the word fat, um, same goes for the word thin or skinny or straight sized. Um, It's not a status, it's not a prize, it's not really a measure of anything, just the same as the word fat. It's just a descriptor. My second piece of advice would be to just listen, Uh, and I know a lot of you are already doing that by listening to this podcast. As a matter of fact, one of the biggest reasons I was drawn to SAF was because at the point that Sophie and April hired me, I had known about body positivity for maybe a little bit less than a year, but I had really, really, really started to get into it right around that point. Um, I told them that I wanted to just like really keep learning and what better way to listen to people talk about body positivity than by editing their show. And just so everyone's aware, um, I cringe at some of the things I said in my interview, but I also recognize that I've come very far and simultaneously have a very long way to go. So, you know, listen and keep learning and never stop learning. Number three would be to stop seeking approval. Just do the work. Call people out on their fat phobia. I've had a couple of thin friends um, just call themselves fat in front of me because you know, no fat people were around and they felt that that was something normal to do. Now, they would have probably never said that in front of a fat person, but they felt okay saying it in front of me? Why? Because they have all this internalized fat phobia. Um, So I call them out, give them a brief, you're not fat, not that there's anything wrong with fat, Um, you are allowed to feel uncomfortable in your body, you are allowed to want to get different sizes of clothing, that's all valid, but you're not fat and don't use that as a negative descriptor because being skinny does not make you better. And you know, a lot of the time they have questions and that's when you can kind of delve into it or what what happens more often than not is that they get defensive, but the more you do it, the better you are at getting to those points quickly and effectively. Next on my list is just to be upfront about when you slip up or when you say something stupid or when you have a learning moment. You know, you're going to make mistakes, we all do, so don't get defensive about it. And last but not least, just do not traumatize your fat friends with horrible stories. Sophie and April have already spoken about this, so I don't need to go on about it for too long, but I know as a person of color, that is extremely traumatizing when people are sending me stuff about, you know, kids being separated from their parents and, you know, shitty immigration stuff that's going on into in this country. In that same way, Just don't send your fat friends traumatizing shit. Um, That about wraps it up for my little pointers. And now I'm going to leave it to Sophie and April to wrap up this section. What makes you feel... What's what's Uh, some example that's made you feel really good that a thin friend or ally has done? I think the thing we talked about in the fat friend episode, which is just like being a witness. Like if I am sharing something that happened to me that 
is because of my marginalized body and my thin friend is listening and taking that in and can comment that that's not fair that that happened to me and that's fucked yeah. up. Like, that's the biggest thing. Because to me, the most irritating response is like, really? Uh-huh. <laughs> but if my friend is just like, that's horrible. I'm so sorry that happened to you. Yeah. That makes me feel a lot better because otherwise too. you just feel like, did you hallucinate that? Did that really happen? That's so bad. Um, I think then that is so simple. Like, that that is a version of allyship and that's like the easiest thing is just being a witness to your fat friends and supporting them. Um, so that is really important to me. What about you? Yeah, I think one thing is like believing me. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast, but there's like a certain thing that happens sometimes if you're a fat, a fat woman and like a guy will kind of hit on you that has a flavor to it of like, you're fat, so you should appreciate this. Mm-hmm. And it's not like they're going to explicitly say that unless it's someone who you reject them and then afterwards they're like, you're fat anyways. Yeah. And you're like, well, you were hitting on me. <laughs> so, um, but like, that's kind of hard to describe because it's just like a weird vibe thing that's happened to you. Yeah. And so I've appreciated it when that's happened to me and I've talked about it and my friends are just like, that's messed up or yes. like whatever. They just like validate it. And not like, are you sure? You don't know yeah, that. Exactly. Because like you feel it. You like know I it. know you the know feeling. It. You know yeah. it. Um, and then also the other thing that's my favorite thing is just if we're watching or reading or listening to something and someone says something fat phobic, it can be a very lonely experience to be in a group and then everyone else is laughing at the joke in the theater or something like that. So I appreciate it when that happens and my friends just like look at me and they're just yeah. like, oh. So you don't have to be the one to be like, that's bad that that was said. Yeah. If they're like, that was dumb or yeah. whatever. And you don't even have to say that much. Like exactly. I've just had them like look over or my friend will be next to me and she'll be like, oh. Or yeah. whatever. And that's nice. That's it. Yeah. That's it. That's all it takes. Well, good. I think that's the meat of it for this week. We've solved how to be a thin ally. You're, You're welcome. welcome. <laughs> Today's episode is sponsored by One Second Every Day, a video diary app that helps you create, remember, and share your life story one second at a time. Do you sometimes wish you could watch a movie of your life? With One Second Every Day, you finally can. You can use the app to chronicle trips or special moments like a wedding, graduation, or watching to all the boys I've loved before for the very first time. But my favorite thing is capturing the basics of life, getting ready for the day, grocery shopping, or re-watching to all the boys I've loved before for the seventh time. <laughs> From milestones to moments that might feel insignificant, future you will be so grateful that you saved them all. You can opt in to daily reminders so you never forget to record your one second. And if you keep it up for a year, you'll have a six minute long diary. That's a six minute long catalog of who you were with, what you did, what you ate, and who you were for a whole year of your life. Thanks to one second every day, we'll never have to struggle to remember what we were up to during the summer of 2018, the sweatiest summer of all time. (laughs) Trust us, the best time to start your video diary is now. You can find the app in the Google Play Store or the App Store by searching the number one and second every day. Record less and live more with one second every day. And don't forget to check out our very own video diary of the summer on our Instagram after the episode. And now it's time to ask a fatty. If you want advice, you can send a voice memo of yourself asking a question to FYI at she'sallfatpod.com. You can record it on your computer or the voice memo app on your iPhone. Just keep it short, about one minute max. Or if you're shy, you can send us a plain old email at FYI at she'sallfatpod.com. And we might answer your question right here on the show. This week on Ask a Fatty, we have a very special letter from Hannah. Hey, ladies. Um, I'm a new listener, but I think I'm supposed to say that this is Hannah, so it's Hannah. Long story short, I'm a thin person living in a smaller body, um, but I've had a whole experience with 
you know, an eating disorder and coming through recovery from that body positivity and specifically fat positive positivity has been a huge part of recovering from that. And now that I kind of live my life in this intuitive eating, body positivity, health at every size lens, I've realized how sad it makes me that one of my friends that lives in a larger body is not body positive and misses out on a lot of things because she is larger and doesn't have like that self-confidence. So I guess my question is, as a person living in a smaller body, how can I help her be more body positive without being annoying? Um, let me know if you have any advice. Thank you guys so much for all the work that you do. Bye. Thanks for that voice memo, Hannah. And thanks for listening. Um, this is interesting because I we also both have fat friends who are like not body positive. Mm-hmm. And I have definitely noticed some other like fat people kind of dropping away or like not interacting with my stuff once I started being more vocally fat positive. Some people just aren't ready yet. They're not there yet. And I will say, growing up when I had thin friends who were trying to encourage me, the worst thing they always did was, you're not fat, you're pretty. Yeah. So I think you know better, like, from the sound of your letter to not do that. But for others listening, like, please don't do that. But I think, yeah, don't try to, you know, push them further than if they're ready. Because truly, it's such a personal journey that even if you are so well-meaning, there's no amount of convincing you can do to make your friend like break free from diet culture. But I think what you can do is, you know, because I think it's it's kind of inappropriate to like try to tell her like, no, you should just be confident, blah, 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 whatever. Easy for you to say honestly. Yeah, and (laughs) you know that too. But like what you can do is just be vocal about your own political views because remember, body positivity is a political movement. It's not just about personal self-love or personal self-confidence. So for example, you can just be an active vocal ally in a general way. Like you go to a movie theater and you're like, hey, um, are you comfortable in these seats to her? And then in general, you could be like, hey, um, as a group, we should not go to this place because it's not accessible. And you don't have to say like for so-and-so. You could no. just be like, it's not accessible, so we shouldn't go there. Or you can um, you know, do the things on Twitter and Instagram that we talked about earlier. You can say, you know, I'm an ally to fat people and blah. You could say, um, you know, like you watch a movie, you say, oh, there were no fat people in that movie. I wish there was better representation. You exactly. can um, retweet something and say like, fat people are beautiful or whatever you want to say, mm-hmm. you know? You make it clear that you are a safe place for her to go when she is ready she to is get ready. there. Um, that's the most important thing. If your fat, your fat positivity shouldn't be to save your fat friend. You know what I mean? Yeah. It should be like a political viewpoint about how you think the world should treat fat bodies in general. Exactly. So like you can enact that in your own space um, without kind of putting it on her. You know what I mean? Exactly. And if your fat friend is like me, I bet it will be way easier for her to say there should be more accessibility for other fat people than it will be for her to say, I deserve to fit in these spaces and I deserve to be more comfortable. So if you start vocally talking about those things, we're always talking about like bigger seats on airlines or accessibility literally anywhere or more clothing options for fat bodies and you make it public that that's how you think, she will see you as safe and then when the time comes, she'll be able to talk to you. I'm, I'm imagining you probably are uncomfortable in some of these conversations not knowing what to do if she is kind of putting herself down in front of you, which a lot of people will do. Mm-hmm. So if she says like, oh, I'm fat and I need to lose weight or something, you can just not respond. <laughs> you yeah. can just kind of smile. Exactly. You know, mm-hmm. and you can make it clear that you don't think she needs to lose weight without saying things that come off as patronizing. Exactly. You can be like, 
do you mean you want to exercise more? I'd be glad to take you to my exercise class. You could say, oh, do you mean you want to go shopping for some new clothes? Let's go shopping together. Like, because, you know, again, nobody feels fat. It's not a thing. Can try to get at what the actual feeling is without interacting with that kind of toxic, like, fat is bad, I'm fat, and I'm bad, I feel fat, and I'm bad kind of thing. Because the lack of the confirmation might make a difference. You don't know for sure, but you do know that confirming those, like, horrible suspicions she has won't help. So the opposite might help, maybe. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, That's all we can think. I think that just, yeah, making it clear that you're there to support her and and making it clear that you're not going to push her and being there and and being a witness like we've talked about before to things that happen to her if they do happen to her are all good things all good first steps yeah tell her to listen if she's on my podcast yeah exactly (laughs) now let's move on to it's okay you can ask a segment that sophie has dreaded all summer long (laughs) we'll find the answers to our burning questions like I know, I know what Afro punk <laughs> you is. You DM'd me this morning. What is Afro punk? No, I didn't. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Don't as make a, me pull up the receipts. I thought it was a person. I know what Afro punk is like as a genre. I'm wait. What's not a genre? Is Afro punk a person? Is Afro punk is a music festival. Oh, I thought it was like like. What is Afro punk? Question mark. Question mark. Question mark. Like walked into <laughs> Afro punk made it sound like a, an event. I thought Afro event. punk was like a music genre. No, honey. (laughs) Anyway. We'll find the answers to our burning questions, like, what is (laughs) Afropunk? What is Afropunk? I can't believe you. Or, what is natural wine? What is natural wine? Do you not know? No. I I saw a bunch of white people talking about it on Twitter, and I don't know what natural wine would be. I don't know anything about wine. Okay. I'm not a wine mom. You know I hate those signs. Four glasses of wine till I fall asleep or whatever. In the morning, I need my java, and at night, I need my wine. No, no, no. I hate those. (laughs) That's my personality. I'm not a wine mom. Okay, so April, Mm -hmm. here's my question. Okay. You have told me before about feeling the need, and then showing me tweets about this, feeling the need to support black-created media or businesses because they're created by black people, Mm -hmm. even if they're bad. Mm Mm-hmm. What is the level of badness where your support stops? It's bad content-wise, not bad, like, harmful. Oh. Like, I would never support Bill sure, Cosby. Sure, 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 But I will watch Insert Show Here yeah. that I don't fucking like. <laughs> but how bad? Like, what if it was, like, like how bad? Um, Let's see. I will withstand a dude wears my car level of pain wow for black art and that's my cross to bear can you give me some examples of like i mean (laughs) not like from now but like when you were younger like when did this start being a political thing you did to me in college when i so i went to film school when i realized how hard it is for any black creative to get anything made i'm like i will always shout it out i will always throw money at it as long as it's not harmful to my community but in the back of my mind like some of the shit fucking sucks yeah (laughs) you know um so it's hard because I can't give any examples because I work in the television industry and I don't want to shade anybody, but like fucking some of this shit is horrible and like some of it I'm really like suffering through and whatever. <laughs> well, yeah, it's interesting because it's like I was thinking about it after you said that and I was like, yeah, it makes sense. Um, it feels like similar but different to how like like a bad alternate version of it is when women will be like, women support women or whatever. But yeah. it's just like white women say that about whatever created by a woman. Yeah. But no. even if it's harmful. Doesn't mean excusing the like bad behavior of other people just means yeah. like if you if you like suffered enough to get something on the air in a movie theater, like I'll fucking pay for it. But like, oh my God. <laughs> like some of this stuff sucks. And some of it's like indie stuff too. Like sometimes I will like pay for someone's indie go go and be like, this is gonna be horrible. But like I wanna support. 
Are there um, limits to that rule for you? I'm just curious about what what that variety of activism means to you. Well, I will say that like I'm definitely am more forgiving of black women's worth than black men's worth. Just saying. Because mm-hmm. some of y'all don't know how to fucking act. <laughs> and you already know. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to think other the limit the limits other than it being like harmful. If there's a lot of it, <laughs> like <laughs> like, you know, I can't watch twenty two episodes of your bad show. Yeah. I could do a mini series. <laughs> you know? That's kind of how I feel. What other things do you does that like extend out to that mindset? Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, well, so recently, cause it's not like I don't understand this. Idea. Yeah. I just want to know how it is put into practice for you. So it's put into practice with media. I consume. It's also put into practice with recently I moved to a blacker neighborhood and I've been making more of an effort to buy black. And a lot of times that means like really inconvenient. Like the other day, my sister and I were trying to find a black owned nail salon mm-hmm. and like one was like overbooked because everybody was trying to find a black nail salon. One had horrible reviews and I'm like, am I going to go and get a fucking ingrown toenail for this? And then one was just so overpriced and we're just like, all right, what are we going to do? Am I really about to get a $60 manicure because I'm trying to buy black? But like, it's stuff like that where it's like, I'm like inconveniencing myself and making things like way harder in several different ways and also probably spending more money and more time. But I want to pull up other black small businesses because I know that it's hard. And so it extends there. I might give a black artist a listen on Spotify that I don't want to. <laughs> I might. I might subscribe to a YouTuber that I don't necessarily, <laughs> you know, might throw a like, might throw a like where I don't really, <laughs> I might throw a half-hearted like, you know. There's there's also, though, I think for me, a sense of like, is this space not for me? Mm-hmm. Like a lot of black-owned businesses are also kind of talked about as community spaces. I don't want to support a black, like, I, for example, I couldn't support a black-owned hair salon. Yeah. I mean. They don't want me there. I mean, you could, but. <laughs> they don't want me there. <laughs> well, they don't. Why? They can't well, do my but, hair. But honestly, really, by probably. the way, side note, side note, this is not always true. There are several hair salons in LA where you'll go to their Instagram and they have, like, all these white girls who they did cornrows for. And I'm like, what no, are y'all oh, doing? God. What are y'all doing? But no, definitely not. Definitely not. But it's, on Instagram, it's easier where there might be, like, a black person selling black art on etsy and like you could easily order that but i think yeah i think you're right that there are some spaces it varies but there are some spaces that it's just like this is a black apothecary shop we're like selling rosehip oil and like it's very black and here they're playing sade like i get it but i just think wherever white people can if you're interested in helping those business owners it makes a big difference i will link to an instagram in the show notes called we buy black they always highlight like cool black owned businesses or black products like there's this black owned soap line that apparently is like really good and you have to like special order it from this website apparently but it's like better than tide allegedly really and so it's like if you want some next level soap (laughs) better than tide better than tide (laughs) as like a stay-at-home mom i do know that tide (laughs) unfortunately is the best laundry soap like this is my life um but yeah so i will link in the show notes if you are interested in dabbling in yeah we'll drop some shop black or like lists of black businesses to support well thanks for chatting with me about it no worries shout out to the perils of capitalism oh my god (laughs) and that's our show be sure to check out the show notes for links to the stuff we mentioned today and don't forget to send us your questions via email or voice recording to fyi at she's please make sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It's super important in making sure people find the show. If you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, we'll give you a shout out on the pod next week. 
She's All Fat is created, produced, and hosted by us, Sophie Carter-Kahn and April K. Quio. If you'd like to support the work we do, you can join our Patreon by visiting patreon.com slash she's all fat pod. When you pledge to be a supporter, you'll get all sorts of goodies and extra content. Our music was composed and produced by Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs. Our website was designed by Jesse Fish, and our logo is by Britt Scott. This episode was mixed and edited by the iconic Maria Wortel. Special thanks to our fairy intern mother, Lynn Barbara. Our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter handles are at ChooseAllFatPod. You can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and wherever else you get your pods. Bye! Um, now let's move on. Let's move on. Let's move on. <laughs> let's move on. What? <laughs> it's been, we're going to be rusty in the wow. beginning, Maria. Just yeah. strap it. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.